This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, LSPod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin? Sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. still workshopping these introductions but we'll get there in time i'm sure yeah i'm sure people can bear with us whilst we find the right balance we absolutely will and we have to i think so hey it's been a week how have you been um you know not too bad i've tried not to dwell on what happened at the weekend too much in my own spare time but overall not too shabby yeah good no no soul searching here either though <laughs> I, I i'm still i'm telling everyone that i went for a negative prediction my negative prediction a draw last week yours a loss which you get the point for even though the score wasn't right i i go with win loss and draw so you win the first round unfortunately i, I think i went for a negative one on the basis of the presser last week. I hope I hope I didn't get that vibe for presser two, but yes, not a great opener for the first time in many a year. Yeah, our um our ex- exemplary record on the opening day, as I pointed out, was always gonna work against us. And so, you know, <laughs> I, I I wasn't I was thinking negative. I wasn't thinking quite as negative as it actually ended up being. But um mm. maybe I'll I'll try and spark something see if I'm some sort of soothsayer with the outcomes and hopefully try and change that up this week. 
Well, here's hoping because Swindon are back at the county ground for the game against Salford City. Usual presser rules. We talk about a whole lot of stuff, but not a lot of Salford City, but we'll try and fill in the gaps wherever we can. In this presser was Andrew Hawes of BBC Radio Swindon, Jack Simpson of the Swindon Advertiser, and you'll find self joined by Scott Lindsay, and as we'll discuss later, one Harry McCurdy. Yeah, that was a big surprise to us all, I think, just to see him walking through the room. It was not the player I, I had expected, but, you know, a pleasant surprise to see him. Last week, we were told that we were pretty much all up together. That was a porky pie, um, because there is an injury, as we've learned. Yeah, he said no injuries and everyone was in training. Um, we now learn that we have no left side, as um, LFC Andlo is, is still injured. He's still working his way back, I think. I think it's more of a we don't want to risk him too early kind of thing because he was getting back into it towards the end of preseason but hadn't played the whole time. And then the other was uh, Reese Devine, who hasn't been training today. Um, the other left-back option, naturally left-sided. Obviously, uh, Romeo Hutton's been playing over there, but you know, he wasn't training today. They, they He's got a quad. Um, not, not injury so much as knock, I think, was the terminology used. And they're just you know, being a bit careful with him. He didn't train today. They hope he'll train tomorrow and maybe will be available to make the squad at the weekend. Yes, so uh, I, I do hope this isn't a return to the previous LSI Andalo of injuries holding back his career after what was a pretty fine 21-22. Yeah, he had an excellent season last year and he was easily the best he's been in a Swindon shirt. As you mentioned, he often has had injury issues but looking into this season I think we were maybe think as a fan base is he maybe gonna not even just be the left back this time is he gonna make a real claim to play in the middle or you know take over maybe from Jack Payne in that respect but it's not been the start he would have wanted and it's certainly not the start that Scott Lindsay wants him to have they've always got a long history together after he brought him to Swindon first time around so he was probably hoping for a better start than this I think always best to be cautious with players like Iandolo and half our squad who have uh, injury records that you don't want to be too cavalier about. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, we'll move on to other players. And the next question was about Adeloy and, and Khan being available to play a full 90 minutes, uh, suggesting that maybe they, because they were late into the squad that they haven't had as much match practice. What was said here? Yeah, the uh, the question was about Adeloy and Khan. The answer, in fact, was about Angus MacDonald. Um, <laughs> how he he came in slightly later than those guys. But um, he played the full 90. I think they were fairly pleased. But they are very much still getting up to speed. He said that there were a couple of players in the squad. And by them, I assume he means Hutton, Adeloy um, and Khan. Probably Adeloy more than the other two because they would have been having pre-seasons at Chesterfield and Barrow, which Adeloy and MacDonald didn't have because they were free agents. But they're, you know, they're going to have to work themselves up to speed in matches because we just don't really have the, the time or the opportunity to, to have put on fitness sessions like it was a pre-season because people need to get, get into the actual season now and get playing. So those guys are, are probably going to take a bit of time before we see the best of them when they're fully match sharp, and hopefully, you know, we'll get what we expect out of someone, the senior figure like McDonald and. Hopefully some of the goals that Air United loved so much about Tommy Adeloy. 
uh, sentences you don't think you'll ever hear on this podcast, but I love every bit of it. Air United, indeed. And I think the general vibe of this conversation or this part of the conversation was patience, wasn't it? Yeah, it's very much... (laughs) There was a big bit of confidence last week. The tone shifted quite a lot to this one uh, from one presser to the next, where it went from we expect promotion to... Well, you know, we we've got time here. These players are still working themselves in. Don't get too panicky too quickly, and um, never say that to a Swindon fan base because they will laugh in your face and do it anyway. And um, yeah, is we're still working people in. A question I asked later is that you know are they fully up to speed on the tactics. Lindsay didn't like that, but um, it is still a working progress at this point. I think we talked about it last week, didn't we, Rich? That. You know, maybe it's going to take slightly longer for this team to hit their stride because they are a new bunch and they're with a new manager and a couple of them haven't had the pre-season that would have been ideal. No, agreed. Yeah, and I think this is where the the, the line of questioning was going here because after you lose 3-0 at Harrogate, no matter at what stage of the season you know, many fans will demand changes and it's it's a bit of a, a bit of a risk really either way, isn't it? Do you show no faith in your side by by sort of making wholesale changes or do you double down and, and make minimal if any? Well this is always the way, isn't it? You can always reverse engineer what happens, but you have to make the choice to stick faith and believe that what you thought would work will end up working, or do you, you know, try and fix the the issues that you may have already seen and not give people the time to work their way into it. Um, Scott Lindsay gave an answer that wasn't an answer where he talked about, you know, horses to courses, we pick players based on the opposition, which I think Garner said a lot. And then we never actually did that because the team (laughs) stayed the same. So it wasn't, unless, you know, the horses were good on all of the courses, then, you know, that wasn't something they did, but it was, it was an answer that Lindsay has taken up and, we will see if he believes that that team that played against Harrogate will be, you know, right for playing against Salford as well. We we don't know. He didn't offer any sort of... Neither should he, obviously. Don't tell tell everyone what your lineup is. But he didn't offer any clues as to if anyone would be moved out of the team or if anyone, you know... Or if he just wanted to keep it as it was. It was very much just the... Well, we, we pick players based on who we think works best that week. Yeah. I think there'll be... At least one change. That's my prediction. I don't think it'll be crazy. I don't think we really have the squad to allow crazy amount of changes. But yeah, I think there might be one. And, and that's pretty much on the basis of what happened next. So the question was, how have the players and manager reacted to that frustrating opening uh, game of the season? And there was, I thought there was quite an interesting quote on this one, really, given it was just game one. Yeah, I thought, I don't know about anyone else, but it felt very early for them to go to the we've been having meetings with the players, frank discussions kind of thing. I don't know. Obviously, on Football Manager, I would never do this. It never helps <laughs> you. But, you know, Lindsay's gone straight to um, doomsday mode, I guess. I don't know whatever scenario you would bring in a frank exchange of views between the players and what they were thinking about things. And that's appears to be what has happened. They've I think he said meetings plural. I'm pretty certain he said meetings plural, but that might have just been, you know, his choice of words being inaccurate. But they've definitely had a discussion amongst the squad about what they thought went wrong against Harrogate, which I think 
Lindsay has probably um, walked back. I was talking to Andrew Hawes beforehand because I wasn't at Harrogate, but he was talking about how low that Lindsay felt after that game. He wasn't even really making eye contact in the interview, but I think he's gone away and watched the tape and maybe there are more positives there than he thought. There was, you know, again, people aren't going to like hearing that a 3-0 defeat against Harrogate, who were one of the favourites of relegation, that, you know, it wasn't an all-out horrendous performance. They felt, having watched the game back, that the team started pretty well. They needed to take their chances and then things didn't really go their way and then it just the game just got away from them because, you know, the... They were they didn't play well enough second half. They gave the ball away too many times. They're aware of that. But first half, they were fairly pleased until the goal went in. And then there was a suggestion that the third and the second goals might have been offside. I, I can't speak to those decisions, but they were given. So get on with it, basically. But it's one of those where he's gone away and thought, realistically, some of those players, he specifically said, not naming names, but I'm assuming based on what everyone else has said, that he means Louis Reed are never going to have a game that bad again. And hopefully that kind of performance was a one-off and we wait to see whether or not that's true. Yeah, I think the general consensus by it, I say general consensus, but many, many people, especially within the club, were really quite happy with that opening 20, 25, 30 minutes. And then it all went pear-shaped. I know some fans beginning to end not acceptable in terms of the performance and result but you've got to take the positives from those sort of results don't you yeah you have to you know they're not fans at the end of the day they have to look at these things more analytically than we do 3-0 against Harrogate for all of our to you know for the fan bases well clearly none of that was good enough but you know when it's your job you've got to look at it and think okay so how we can't just rip everything up what did work what didn't what what can we take from this and then i you like to hope they've moved on from that and we will see a proper reaction this weekend we've not had any confirmation of this it's just kind of come into (laughs) come into the world of swindon as a given and that's that mad gavin gunning is in the building as a new assistant coach and it was asked on how he's getting on were we ever given a confirmation on this? I don't think it was ever formalised, but it was something that we knew was coming beforehand. I remember in the last presser, we were, you know, I think Johnny asked if we were allowed to know who the coach was yet. So they knew that we've known that a coach is coming and it was after the game that that has actually been confirmed that it was, you say, Mad Gav, who's coming. Gavin Gunning, who's worked under Scott Lindsay before. Um, whilst he was at Forest Green, he was a player there. He believes he's a even whilst he was a player, he was a sort of coach on the pitch, was how he was described. He thinks he's a very talented young coach, someone who's going to develop a lot with this team as a coach, and hopefully he can use those skills to to put to um, improve this team where he can. He's focusing defensively, as you might expect from a centre back. He's been working with those guys that week and this week, and hopefully we'll see the work that he's been doing fairly quickly. Yeah, for those who don't know, Gavin Gunning is an Irish former centre-back, only 31 years old, started out with Blackburn Rovers before solidifying his career at Dundee United. Few bad moves followed, don't know if that was injury or what, with Birmingham and Oldham before going back to Dundee United. And then short spells at Granick Morton, Grimsby, Port Vale, Forest Green Rovers, where he had a nice little spell alongside Scott Lindsay before dropping into non-league with Billericay, Solihull, 
Gloucester and Chesterfield last season. So welcome to Swindon Mad Gav, but it sounds like we're not allowed to call him that. Yeah, that was one of the things I think went early was uh, that that was not being allowed, although Scott Lindsay did confirm that he is very much that. So we'll see which way that goes. <laughs> yeah, so called him Mad Gav to see what Mad Gav is all about. Otherwise, it's just Gavin Gunning and that's fair enough. So Salford City time so he was asked about Salford a little bit of detail given here what was said about our opponents this weekend yeah this all being the operative word in that statement Rich (laughs) if it was possible to know less than we knew about Harrogate then we now know less about Salford he said they were you know a team who have a certain style who are good at the certain things that they do Uh, those certain things were not elaborated on he doesn't know who their manager is Neil were to I believe was in the Manchester United Academy for a while. So it took surprisingly long for the class of 92 to look that way for their coach, but they've gone that this season. We know that they're a very strong side and they have strength and depth, but I think you could probably guess that for the team with one of the largest budgets in the league. And, you know, that was very, the, what, the one thing that we did learn that I think is interesting part is their tactical flexibility and they, they like to change shape, which will make, Swindon's task of pressing them and knowing when to drop off and when to, you know, press onto them more difficult because of the way they're likely to move around um, the pitch in in their setup. So that will presumably be one of the one of the things people should look out for at the weekend. Yeah, Salford beat Mansfield two 0 on the opening day of the season. They don't have a huge squad per se, but they do have a selection of decent names at this level. The the team last weekend was Tom King and Goal, and you had Jason Lowe, ex-Blackburn, Theo Vassell, Richard Nati, who used to be quite the prospect at Chelsea at one time, Liam Shepard, Ryan Watson, Elliot Watt, Ibu Torre, Connor McAlenny, uh, Brandon Thomas Asante and Colin Hendry's son Callum, who signed this summer. And then on the bench, you've got former Manchester City Luke Bolton and Matt Smith, who everyone knows about, um, also as an option there. Matt Smith was actually asked about, and uh, <laughs> I did like how Scott Lindsay was quite quick to point out that he knew that he didn't start last weekend or indeed come on. Yeah, it was uh, Matt Smith, I think, is the big name in that side, big in multiple ways. And Rich, mm-hmm. I think I would thank you to refer to Brandon Thomas Asante by his full title, Swindon Town legend, Brandon Thomas Asante. But, um, Asante. but he's, um, yeah, Matt Smith was the, the player that had been picked out. Obviously, he's tall target man, goal scorer at championship level for quite a while. He was a big part in Salford's resurgence last season, but it sounded like he wasn't, well, it doesn't sound like he wasn't in their team against Mansfield or in the starting 11 last weekend, which was, I think a bit of a statement win for Salford, really, because maybe for the first time they went a little bit under the radar heading into the season. And then Mansfield, you know, one of the real favourites for the division, you know, they got a big win over them on opening weekend. So this this Salford team, which is not what you want to hear after you just lost 3-0 to Harrogate, (laughs) looked like they might be quite good. Yeah, I, I think when I was looking through the squads, because a part of the reason why I'm not too worried about Swindon is that I look around some of the a lot of the other teams in this division and I don't feel that I've seen mad strengthening across the board but Salford was a team where I was like 
I'm not going to pretend I'm a scout. I'm not going to pretend that I know much about them, but I've heard of every player in that lineup. So, you know, that that is how I gauge, um, but doesn't always work. Look at Colchester United. Um, before we move away from Salford, just maybe skipping the running order a little bit, they were asked, <laughs> Scott Lindsay was asked about the class of 92 and their impact in this division. Um, Scott Lindsay not really concerned about that, was he? No, he... It was a bit of an interesting question. Obviously, it was um, yeah from the advert. He's uh, not the normal guy, but it was it was asked about how that they impacted League Two, and I think Scott Lindsay had to ask him to ask it twice. He was a bit confused, um, and was, he didn't really think they their ownership had much of an impact. Certainly on the game we're about to play, but you know maybe Giggsy will lace up his boots and he'll get out there. You never know. I don't think. Giggsy's lacing his boots at any point. Probably not him, no. Time in the future, no, not at all. Okay. Um, well, the big, not the big question, but the repetitive question was asked, and it's fair enough. Um, last week, it was mentioned by Scott Lindsay that he did have to break some bad news to at least one player, and I wondered whether it was in relation to the goalkeeper position, and I think given how... Scott Lindsay answered the question about how he went for Sol Brin over Lewis Ward might have confirmed that. Yeah, it was. I think you were right. It was Lewis Ward that was getting the bad news. And you know, before I really go into his answer, I would like to say, can we? As I, I had to stop looking at Twitter on Saturday because the amount of stuff that I saw about Sol Brin from people who I presume weren't at the game. He's not Mate Kovar. Can we please not get on the guy's back this quickly? He's looked very good in pre-season, one goal against Cardiff notwithstanding. So what if we just sort of give the guy a break for a bit? And especially the person, was it Swindon Insider who was saying that Lewis Ward was kicking up a fuss? If you don't know anything, please don't make up random stuff like that. It, it doesn't help anyone. But, wow. But we got the um, the answer from Lindsay that obviously he, he'd picked, like I said, Solbrin based on... The fact that he'd had the better preseason than Lewis Ward, he'd maybe been in the most game-like situations. He'd been making all the saves and had dealt with coming for crosses a lot more often than Lewis Ward had been, and had just generally been more impressive in the build-up to the campaign. And that was the decision that it was made on. I was wondering whilst he was answering if he was going to include the two goalkeepers into the horses for courses um, <laughs> debate because he was. No, it's, he seemed to be su- suggesting that he felt because of the way Harrogate were playing that Bryn was Bryn was his selection. But I, I would be surprised if he actually ended up doing that. But, you know, Sol Bryn, he's, from what I've seen, he's much better with his feet, and that was brought up again, which with the way Swindon play is always going to be important with a goalkeeper, no matter if we had Mate Kovar and he wasn't particularly great, even though he was good at distribution, like, Lewis Ward is not brilliant with his feet. I don't think it takes much to work that out. And that is, and that is one of the things that Bryn has been superior at in Scott Lindsay's eyes. And along with the actual goalkeeping bits as well. And that was the reason that he was playing. And I would be surprised if that was changed against Salford. Soapbox Joe <laughs> Acklam there 
with with his hot takes and calling out potential listeners as well. Look at this. This is a new presser for a new age. What I really liked during this conversation was Scott Lindsay going full Rafa Benitez with some facts. Yeah, he was... I- I don't know how we. I, maybe they were recording stats of preseason, but he specifically, you know, he was making more saves in each game, and they've been recording it than Lewis Ward had been. So he's, you know, a lot of attention to detail there for friendly matches if they were actually doing stat lines for their goalkeepers. Mm, absolutely. Okay. Well, we'll move on. There was there was a question about. Johnny Williams, um, having said that we need to be braver when they go behind, which I think Scott Lindsay broadly agreed with. Just had to be brave regardless. Yeah, it was, you know, sort of, I don't want to say rally and cry, but it's just we need to be braver generally, not just when we're behind. We need to be willing to take risks on the ball. We need to be willing to take risks off the ball if we go behind, if we go ahead, you know. Just need to be risky generally, but not overly risky, I assume. It was, you know, it was, it's, you just need, I think it's, it's a fair answer that, you know, when you play the style that we do, you need to be prepared to, take risks on the on the ball because otherwise you don't really end up going anywhere with passing which has obviously frustrated people whilst watching the Garner Lindsay style before so he's he was just making that point clear that he feels it's not just in relation to what Williams had said about going behind it was a general need to um, be strong in your decision making Let's move to the transfer market then. So one thing I forgot to discuss with you last week, and it's completely my fault, is there was a question about the the size of the squad and how many Scott Lindsay felt he needed. And he pretty much said one more centre forward and that will probably be a lot. So this was asked again this week generally about whether we were close to that signing and also whether the Harrogate game had changed that notion of one more was needed. What was said here? Yeah, it was maybe not as... Um, as we've dealt, answered with as much conviction as last week when he said that we needed one more, but it was... Generally, there's not been any movement. We're not particularly close to bringing anyone in at the moment. Cure five o'clock announcement tomorrow afternoon but we were no we're still obviously working on the list of players that Dee McKaylee would have produced with in um you know with uh, our transfer targets he'd said that we wanted one more striker most likely but he didn't say any specifics on you know what if that list was limited to a striker but he did he did make the point that the Harrogate game didn't change their thinking on that i Felt from tone that maybe that wasn't the case, but I would also would would be surprised if Swindon structurally the way that the team is shaping is the way that the club runs now. If that was the kind of thing that changed our decisions on uh, what what was needed in the squad, I'll be shocked if they only end up bringing one more in uh, with options in the loan market. I, I liked the idea that we only had one more space to fill, but. I think it would be quite naive if the budget allows um, to have a couple more in just just in case. Yeah, I think when we've got free loan spots available, there is a move to going away from that and into a more, you know, profit uh, way of dealing business. But I think whatever people want to say about the loan market and you're not players and it disrupts and everything, you know, you, you get a higher quality of player from the loan market than you do 
if you just bought the player if you just bought players who would come to you that's pretty much the fact of the matter so i think when you can get loan players you go and get them that is i think generally proving to be more difficult this summer which may delay which may you know answer for any delays on bringing players in because you know we have another month of the transfer window still clubs are now more limited on the number of loan players they're actually allowed to get rid of so i think you know clubs higher up the food chain are probably sitting on players for a little bit longer than they might otherwise do in case they need extra cover or you know they decide that one player becomes a priority to go on loan over another so i would think if we are looking loans that will go a lot deeper into the window than maybe people would want before we get to your couple of questions a question was raised there for scott lindsay which we don't really see or hear and that's of players leaving and um yeah it was interesting to hear what he had to say about this because it's not something that's usually brought up no i think the question was specifically because of the harry mccurdy rumors and all the the Luton stuff and the Portsmouth stuff and the every club who's in a higher division than our stuff who wants our goal scorer. So, you know, he was he's hopeful that he want to keep the squad together, but it wasn't a Harry McCurdy is not leaving or a you know, Louis Reed we wouldn't accept any bid for. Um, you know, there was I think there was even an acceptance that players have their price, for example, but obviously that's fairly obvious within football business that we can't just keep players if silly money is being offered but I think it's it was tough to know whether whether the answer was Lindsay not wanting to give too much away or it being a in and it being his way of saying we're not selling them but it wasn't a it wasn't a flat out no okay then shall we listen to your audio Joe which includes one of the shortest responses you'll ever get my favorite bits of journalism I've done so far I reckon here it is yeah, um, you sort of had a. It was noticeable that you focused on fitness during pre-season games. Do you think maybe that focusing on that head of tactics more that maybe made your players not as not as um, knowledgeable of the system heading into the first game? No. Fair enough. Um, and then just with the reaction to Harrogate, what have you seen in training that's made you think that was that's definitely going to be a one-off? Um, just the, the players' attitude for a start, the, the fact that they've got that bounce ability to come back in on the on the Monday morning. Everyone was really bright around the training ground. Um, sorry, we trained on Monday at the at the stadium. Everyone was really bright within that training session, and then on Tuesday we debriefed the game at the training ground, and and the feedback from the players was brilliant. Um, and it was a real positive meeting, and I felt confident coming out of that. Yeah, and do you feel more prepared on what Salford are going to? threaten you with having seen them play this season with their new manager than maybe you did against Harrogate? No, um, because I saw Harrogate play weeks previous to when we played them, so no, exactly the same. (laughs) Well, there we go. (laughs) A short response to question one. We're going to talk about it in a, a little bit more detail, but Joe, nope. I didn't know. I didn't know what to do when he just said no. I was... No, you you just wonder, should I leave? Uh, is he annoyed? I I didn't think it was too ludicrous a question, and it was actually one I'd been thinking of asking last week. If his thought, but the ch- phrasing changes from, do you think that your you know your team is fully ready with the system you want to employ? To did you think that going into Harrogate? And I I thought because of the way they had 
dealt with pre-season that, and the number of players who have come in, including people like Adeloye, Khan, Hutton and McDonald, who came in fairly late before the season started, did he feel that the squad was fully prepared for what they were about to do? And the answer was no. Literally, no. Well, these things happen, don't they? And I'm sure that he will give more detail when he sees fit in future questions. But never mind. You did move on, though, and asked what Scott Lindsay has seen in training that makes him think that this was a one-off, which uh, we're all hoping Harrogate was. Yeah, I think when when you get rebuffed like that, the next question has to be, slightly softer I think it's fair to say and that was that was the idea if if he thinks that you know he's seen a real reaction in training I was actually talking with a little bit with Dave Rickson beforehand the club media guy and he felt that he'd seen that kind of you know change in the attitudes in training I think Scott Lindsay said you know fairly similarly maybe wasn't as uh you know, rambunctious in his answering as maybe you might hope, but he was he was definitely feeling that he'd seen the right signs that, you know, Harrogate was was just a one time thing and it will turn into a bit of a Gillingham two thousand and nine ten situation. So then we moved to Harry McCurdy and we're all experts in the world of Swindon Town, aren't we? In in the sense that we all know or think we know what's going on and something that I've certainly said over the last year or so is that Harry McCurdy is probably one of the players that you'll least likely hear on a presser. Well, I'm wrong. So here he is. He was definitely in media mode because, you know, it was, although he gave replies to the best of his ability, it was a bit dull. Um, We'll avoid questions about reflections on Harrogate because, I think we've already heard about how Harrogate was, but he was asked about how difficult or easy it is to form on-pitch partnerships and to understand each other's games, which I think was really interesting. He was, I thought he was fairly like that when he spoke to the media after Northampton as well. I think maybe he's more inclined to show more of himself when he talks to Sky after Port Vale, for example. But um, it was, he was, you know, you could tell afterwards when, Dave said, I thought he answered pretty well, that it had definitely gone the way the club might have hoped when Harry McCurdy put his hand up to come and do it. And fair play to him as well, because you know, he doesn't have to do it very often. So, you know, he maybe got on-field and off-field a fairly different answer to what we heard from Angus McDonald last week, that you know, things seemed very together. Harry McCurdy was much more on the side of, and I put this in the, the summary tweet that I put out after he spoke, you know, things take time was very much the word of the day. Um, in this interview, he was he he felt that the side was, and for obvious reasons, he felt that the team was really good last year. Everyone played off each other, but that was that's not really been the case this time around. Reading between the lines, he's you know things haven't developed maybe as quickly as his relationship with someone like Jack Payne did, or even Terry Simpson, who I think he and those two had a pretty decent partnership um, last season. It, it depends on the squad. And last year, there was a great group that it was somewhat lightning in the boss with the way they linked up together. But this year, it's not... Certainly against Harrogate, didn't hit the ground running. And there just needs to be a, a waiting period for those instincts to come into play. 
next question was about his positional change. So we saw a lot of success on the wing, but now he's playing a more central role and you get the feeling that he prefers to be in the old role than the uh, the current one. <laughs> yeah, I think he really, really enjoyed that run in last season where he was playing you know, off the left. And I spoke about that bit, the shift to the three five two being probably most, you know, out of the comfort zone in inverted commas for Harry McCurdy because when he was playing in that role, he was getting in at the back stick, he was scoring loads of goals and he was enjoying himself. And that was clear to see from the way he was acting. But he's moved back into a central role. It's not overly different. He did accept that, that he's, he's not playing left back or anything like that. But he is he has moved about. It, it does change things for you. And he, he, but he was clearly not particularly pleased with the way his teammates supplied him against Harrogate. He was... He was talking about barely being on the ball and you know not having any chances, which is somewhat reminiscent to what he said after that Vale first leg about you know Garner's good because he puts me on the pitch. Uh, last team's team was good because they gave me chances, and that that certainly wasn't the case on the first day of the season. And he's, I think he's perfectly happy to play through the middle as long as those chances keep coming for him. But that wasn't the case. Then there were an array of questions along the same lines, weren't there? And that was about differences. What was the difference? What are the differences between this season squad and last season's? What's the difference between Lindsay and Garner bonding with players and how it differs to, for example, his relationship with Jack Payne? And yeah, it was, you know, you ask similar questions, you get similar answers. I, I don't think anyone takes anything away from Harry McCurdy for saying what, you know, similar things. Jack Payne isn't there. Ben Garner isn't there. You know, various players from last season aren't there anymore. So things are obviously different. And his, the atmosphere in the training room is probably a bit different, even if, you know, players are still around. But he's, you know, he's, he believes in the partnership he had with John Johnny Williams. He felt that that came really good towards the end of last season. But he's, it, these things will take time, as he said. You know, Saidu Khan isn't going to know exactly where Harry McCurdy is going to be. Straight off the bat, Tyree Shade doesn't know and without looking up that Harry McCurdy's on the back stick before with like its instinct straight away. That just doesn't happen. And you know, these when you have squad turnover, which is why teams like to avoid it and Swindon are never able to avoid it, you know, th- these are the issues that come. It's not as simple as good players play well immediately with each other. You need to wait a second, which is a bit of a theme of the day, and things will hopefully click into place if you give them that time, which in football is a precious commodity. What would you do, Joe, here if you're the club with McCurdy? Because, of course, if an offer comes in, they're going to have to consider it, but there's a whole other level to the McCurdy fandom. You know, at the recent training where fans were able to attend, there are kids wearing bucket hats and white sunglasses because of the cult of McCurdy, and it's great. But it's a bit of a dilemma if an offer comes in during this window that they can't refuse because I think it will really upset a large segment of the fan base. I think it is a really difficult situation. And I think it very much depends on, you know, the list that Scott Lindsay talked about. Who is on Scott Scott Lindsay, Sandra D. McKayley's list as a central striker? Who comes in to fill the void of Harry McCurdy? But... 
and with what one year on his contract and clubs in the championship interested it is looking like this could be the last opportunity you get to sell him and get money back for the the investment that we put into Harry McCurdy because this was not a sure thing when he arrived on trial last summer so you you have to think you have to think he is he is more than a player to Swindon Town. I think that's fair to say, as you say. The bucket hats thing, I don't think, is even limited to the small kids. Now, when we went, went to Walsall, most people in the crowd were wearing a bucket hat and sunglasses, like Harry McCurdy. He is a force of nature in the town of Swindon. But he's he talked about Jack Payne being too good to stay in League Two. And I think he will think about himself very similarly to that. So... If we get to the end of this season and we're not in League One, there is next to zero chance that Harry McCurdy sticks around. So if you get, say, £1.5 million, I think you have to sell. But I also think if you get a good bid that isn't... If you get a strong bid and you don't have a replacement, then you leave yourself in a very difficult situation with the fans because you've just sold the icon. Hey, Seaside Reds had those bucket hats on sale long before McCurdy turned up. <laughs> Shall we listen to more audio? Yeah, let's get into it. Um, how does it change the way that you go about your play when the last, second half of last season, as you said, you preferred it, you're playing a bit wider and coming in, probably starting more centrally now. How does that change things for you? <laughs> Obviously, it's a different position, so it does change things. And at the end of the day, I just want to affect football games, want to entertain people, want to score goals, set up goals. And I've not been moved to left back. Like I can still do that from the position I'm in. I'll hopefully still get chances. Saturday was frustrating because it was the first time in a while I didn't really have chances, but that happens sometimes. We weren't at it. I'd be shocked if we play that bad again. I, I hope we don't, and there shouldn't be another game like that do you, for a while anyway. And do you remain confident that you will get those chances with the new players who are playing behind you? Yeah, if you look at the players behind, like the there's still a lot of people that can create chances. I formed a great bond with Willow for the last, especially second half of the season. And if we can get Willow on the ball, I know he's going to look for me and get me on the ball. And then I'm confident that I'll take the chances. Do you set yourself a sort of a target for goals this season? Yeah, I want to score four every week. Just like Northampton. Yeah. There we have it. So how does it change the way you go about your game now you've moved to a wider position to central? How does this change for you? And there was a big old pause and nervous chuckle in this bit. Yeah, well, you know, we, we have touched on the position change about thing in the, you know, same and different uh, themes of the season, particularly for Harry McCurdy. And he probably isn't sure. He doesn't want to say, you know, he was on his best behaviour today. He doesn't want to say anything bad about Scott Lindsay, but you know he does want to play left wing. I think or or right wing. He he would rather play in that in that position. I think that's fair to see because he sees himself as having had the best forms of, of his career in in that role. And I think he, I just reading between the lines, it did feel like he felt a lot of gratitude towards Ben Garner because of how he'd got that out of him. And even if Scott Lindsay was there, I think him not being Garner and him changing the position maybe make, creates doubts in McCurdy's mind about that and about this decision-making and if things really are the same. So, you know, if he, he, he believes that he can 
deliver the same excitement goals and keep himself happy and the fans happy from a central role, but it was clear that he would rather play up the middle. Last about remaining confident that he'll get the same chances with the players behind him and it was a it was a response that was quite common throughout. Yeah, I think he, Andrew and I talked about it a little bit afterwards and there was, you know, him not wanting to say the wrong thing, I think a little bit played into it. McCurdy was clearly not happy about what happened at Harrogate and the way the team played. You know, the direct quote, Saturday was not acceptable. It was embarrassing. He is really, really not pleased. And I imagine he was a big voice in those squad meetings that Scott Lindsay talked about because, you know, in in his head and quite rightfully, he's the star of this team. He's He was the one scoring the goals, propelling Swindon to the playoffs last season. And if those chances aren't coming, then he can't do that. And he's becoming more and more a bit of a, a more and more a penalty box player, really, a bit of a Nicky Jose type, which maybe wasn't what we thought we were signing when he when he came in. But he's he was really, <laughs> I think that he he which is why he was pausing and thinking, because obviously with Jack Payne not there, that's a lot of the chances. So he has to develop those relationships. Johnny Williams is still there, but. You know, he he didn't mention Ben Gladwin, who was still there and he played with last season, and you'd like to think would be, you know, easily good enough to create the chances for him. And then you know everyone's everyone's favourite Saidu Khan coming through, Ronan Darcy, Ricky Aguiar. There are players there who can create the chances, and I think he sees that. But you know, I think if we go another week or two and Harry McCurdy still hasn't scored and he doesn't feel he's had the service, then that mood will continue to sour, which, when sharks are circling like they are, is not an ideal position for Swindon to be in. And you went on to ask him how many goals he would go to score, which we hope is for a game. So what are you predicting then? I'm going to go for 1-1. I'm going to stick to that 1-1 because I'm a fence-sitter. What are you going for? Well, because I got the outcome right last week, I'm going to test the theory that it was my fault write a stern apology and say Swindon Town 2, Salford 1. 2-1 to the town. I don't mind it at all. Here's hoping you're right and I'm wrong. Let's see how this one goes. Joe, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rich. The Lone Strangers is an independent podcast and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of the presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down, influenced by the great Matthew Kilford. And the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hello, bubble. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.